Thanks for listening to this podcast of Trending with Timory from the Relevant Radio app. Anything you share in terms of episodes, whether it's texting it to a friend, posting on social media, helps to build up the kingdom for God to help confront the challenging issues we face as a culture, but with joy, with hope, and with an eternal perspective where our faith collides with everyday life, bringing eternal principles to help us live our life joyfully. So, what's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. We're going to talk today about hard stories. Hard stories of people who choose life in the face of severe medical health issues. It's a choice today where people are told, just have an abortion. That'll solve all the problems. But I want to share with you a little later today a a heroic story of one woman who recognized that aborting her child would not fix any of the health issues she was facing. And I hope you'll join me in praying for her. I'll share her story a little later on today on Trending. Joining me in just a few moments will be Sister Tina Alfieri. She is a hermited nun, a spiritual director. She's also a therapist. She specializes in addictive disorders, and she's great at helping us to shape and form our character, to overcome those outright bad habits and truly things that are sins that we need to eradicate from our lives. So it's Ask a Nun Hour here on Trending. If you have a question for Sister Tina Alfieri, the number is 888 914-9149. Sister Tina also specializes in working with women who have experienced betrayal trauma due to a spouse or partner who has been looking at pornography and the trauma and the sorrow that that can bring. She works with Bloom for Catholic Women. I'll post a link to that. It's a great resource for healing for anyone who may be struggling with that betrayal trauma that is very real. Sister Tina, I'm so happy to have you back on the show today because I hear a lot in the culture right now of people who are fearful, isolated, confused about things in society, things in their families, ideologies. There's so much to be said about what's happening in the modern culture. And yet at the heart of that were people of faith, were called to joy. And as I was reading through Luke chapter 6 this morning, I kept pondering what Jesus says and talking about the need to have a strong foundation laid. In Luke chapter 6, verse 46 through 49, he talks about a house, a house that has a foundation deep into the ground upon which that rock foundation is strong in the face of flooding. And then he tells a story about a house that didn't have a foundation. When the floods came, the house was swept away with it. And it kept making me think, Sister Tina, about what that foundation looks like in the face of everything that's happening, both in our modern day culture, but at any point in history for us as people of faith. And I thought no better person than you to join us to talk about character formation and diving deep into our faith so that we have that foundation to be able to endure whatever comes in society, the world, or even just our personal lives as well. So welcome to the show. I'm excited to dive in. Well, thank you so much, Timory. Thank you again for inviting me uh, to have this chat with you. Uh, I really liked uh, what you shared, the the Bible verse about a strong foundation. Um, people of faith, uh, we need to have a strong foundation. And we know that our foundation is Jesus Christ. Uh, God made flesh. And so 
it's imperative that we have this um, strong relationship with him uh, and that he is going to be our anchor in the rough seas of life. He's going to be the unshakable foundation on which we uh, live and thrive. Um, a scripture, you quoted a scripture, a scripture I really like that speaks to me is I, um, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, in order for the branches to bear good fruit, they have to always be a part of the vine. We cannot do anything apart from God. We cannot do anything apart from Jesus Christ himself. And if we separate or distance ourselves, um, then it becomes very difficult to have that, to bear that good fruit that we hear about in scripture. As I was reading this morning, Jesus is giving all of these instructions, especially hot on the heels of the Sermon on the Mount. I actually think this is mm. part of the Sermon on the Mount. And in Luke chapter 6, he talks about that person who listens and heeds the words of God mm -hmm. is like that man who dug a deep foundation. He laid the foundation upon rock, and when the flood arose, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But he who hears and does not do that, does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation against which the stream broke and immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. These are the words of Jesus in Luke chapter six coming at the end. And I love where you mentioned sister Tina that Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. He's telling us, follow me, do what I say, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. do as I do. And he's a man of prayer, a man of sacrifice and a man who follows the God ordained blueprint for the human body as was intended. So what does that look like? Like, how do we build that foundation for ourselves? Certainly. And I think it's important to also mention that um, having a, a good foundation does not necessarily mean I'm going to be happy 24-7. Mm. It doesn't mean yes. everything in my life is going to go my way. No, I think that one of the most important, I guess, I hate to say tests, uh, is uh, how deep is your foundation is when things don't go your way, when troubles come, when trials come, when disasters come, what is your response to that? Is it, why me? What have I done? God, you've left me. And, you know, maybe in the first, I don't know, 24 hours of a serious disaster, health crisis, whatever, that's a normal human uh, response. But for many of us who have a deeper faith life, that soon, very soon, evolves into, God, what are you trying to show me? What do you, what do you want me to learn from this? How do you want me to grow from what you've given to me? Mm. And I think that that's important to know when we start in a life of prayer, that um, prayer is not based on feelings. Uh, we don't pray to feel good. We don't pray because it feels nice. Um, we pray to establish and strengthen our relationship with a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Um, we pray so that we can know him and love him and serve him better. And that's the same reason why we read scripture. How can we know of God, about God, of Jesus, if we're not reading the Old Testament that is the precursor to the Gospels and then the revelation of his fullness, 
we must know scripture as a foundation for prayer, uh, using scripture as a basis for prayer also. But I don't want to get um, off target. I don't want to get too intellectual. I don't. I want to talk to the people maybe who have never prayed before. I think it's uh, it's not anything scary. It's not anything kind of woohoo, real mystical, magical. Um, not at all. It's just going somewhere quiet. You know, we're told how to do this in scriptures. Go somewhere quiet into your prayer closet. Go somewhere quiet and be alone with God and show him your heart. Tell him what's happening in your life, in your world, and ask for his help to grow in graces. Ask for his direction uh, to show you what you should do and to know his word to help guide you. Mm -hmm. So yes. prayer is something um, maybe in the beginning of a prayer life, if we've never prayed before, where we are doing it more than likely out of a sense of duty or justice to God. This is something I have to do. This is something I ought to do. This is something I must do. And that's okay. That's a place to start. That's an imperfect desire. <laughs> and But what we hope is through praying and spending time with God, that it becomes more than just duty or justice, but it does become this loving, strengthening relationship. I love that you mentioned prayer as that foundation. And if you're not praying morning and night, what's stopping you? This is the foundation <laughs> to setting your day up in union with Christ. As you said, Sister Tina, your faith is really proven when you can maintain your faith, mm -hmm. that you have that foundation when things get difficult. And Amen. you mentioned sacred scripture is at the core of this, that we should be mm -hmm. praying and studying, but especially praying with our sacred scripture, receiving the word of God into our minds and hearts, setting the precedence for the day. Every single time I dive into sacred scripture, I try to read a little bit every single morning. It's a punch in the gut. It's a challenge. Mm -hmm. It's looking at Jesus's way, him pointing to the vision of the Heavenly Father and then seeing it lived out in his own life. It's a constant reminder of the vision God has for our lives to follow Christ, become little Christ. That's what mm -hmm. it means when we're baptized. Mm -hmm. It's funny, Sister Tina, my <laughs> middle name is Christian, and I remember oh. as a child, I hated the name, even kind of going into college. I really just didn't like the middle name. I thought it was a boy's name. And then I realized like how wonderful. It's a reminder of our baptism. Mm -hmm. It's being named after Jesus Christ, that mm -hmm. name Christian, as we're all meant to be little, little Christ. And we have to remember that. I think that we fail to so often realize that to be baptized is to live in the way of Christ, that we are claimed and named by God and born again in him or reborn, and that through that we have the grace possible to do this, that it's not hard. This is why Jesus says, my burden's easy, my yoke is light, because he's there mm -hmm. every step of the way. Yes, and I think, you know, again, uh, for people who might be new to prayer, uh, I know when I'm working with maybe spiritual directees, I, in the beginning of someone developing a life of prayer, uh, I stress consistency over quantity. So what I mean by that is I'd rather see somebody praying 10 minutes every morning consistently than praying 20 or 30 minutes once a week or once a month. So if there's anybody 
out there who's maybe thinking about working on their prayer life, one place I usually suggest folks start is getting consistent. Um, it's kind of like going to the gym. <laughs> you get a lot more out of it if you go consistently than if you just go once a week or once a month. And prayer life uh, takes some effort. It's effort on our part. Again, in the beginning of our prayer life, we may just be doing it out of duty and justice to God, and that's okay. That's a good place to start. But eventually, over time, uh, I'm hoping uh, that people really feel the love God has for them, and they develop a love relationship where they really want to be in communion with God and to give Him that time. But in the beginning, sometimes it's rough, and that's okay. You know, there's a, there are stages in development of prayer life, and this is also one reason people go to a good spiritual director, is to understand how prayer life, a prayer life develops, that uh, sometimes it's going to be rocky, and this is not when we give up, but this is actually when we continue, and then we'll have sometimes another great little breakthrough that God gives us, uh, a consolation, as uh, St. Ignatius of Loyola might describe it. So it's important to understand that there is a knowledge, a wisdom, a science of prayer, so to speak, and to not give up uh, just because one doesn't feel like anything is happening. That's what the evil one would love more than anything for you to do, um, is to give up and to stop. I also tell new directees, uh, you cannot pray wrong. The only wrong way to pray is not to pray. So mm -hmm. doing something is better than doing nothing. <laughs> yes. And I find for me, too, that prayer changes in that I may be in a routine for a while. Something's really worked. Maybe I'm praying mm -hmm. the divine office. Maybe I'm reading the daily gospel. You know, there are different, you know, with so many prayer books and options, and sometimes mm -hmm. it can be overwhelming. Something will work for a season, and I find myself hitting a rut, and mm -hmm. I'm not as attentive to my prayer. And it's a good time to maybe transform that prayer routine. Watch where mm -hmm. I'm praying, um, how I'm praying, what those distractions are, but to not give up, to persevere, that even when that foundation maybe is being rocked a little bit, that we have that routine and it's there. And this is why I say, if you're single still, establish that routine, establish that foundation now, because I'm learning as a mom, things are very shaky when there's inconsistency <laughs> of sleep or just distraction. You know, I think, oh, I'm going to wake up at 5 a.m. before my kids and pray. And it can be a wonderful time of silence. Or it can be that both of my children are with me as well. And I'm trying to mm -hmm. fight waking up and two little ones while praying. <laughs> so having this foundation in persistency and consistency, I love it where you say, Focus on the consistency. Sometimes the quality of our prayer will not always be there. So the takeaways are mm -hmm. start that prayer life morning and night. Read sacred scripture, incorporating it in. Do you have a third takeaway there for us? Um, I think um, having uh, just uh, a period of silence during one's prayer. So if someone's having a five-minute prayer time every morning, um, I would suggest the first two or three minutes uh, give your good morning greeting to God. Uh, tell God how much you love him, adore him, and worship him. Give him your heart. Pray for those who have asked you to pray for them. Give God your concerns. And then spend the, maybe the last minute or two, two minutes of that five-minute prayer time in silence, 
focusing on the fact that Jesus is there with you, because he is. Remember, uh, our creed tells us we believe in things visible and invisible. This is one of those things that we take on faith, that just because I can't see Jesus there with me, it doesn't mean he's not there. I have to learn how to see with the eyes of faith. I need to trust scripture, trust the teachings of our church, and know that God is there with me. I love this takeaway. This is the firm foundation. I'll just read it again for you to ponder. Mm -hmm. uh, and we'll leave on this note because I think it's so helpful when Jesus is talking in the Sermon on the Mount and he's walked through the Beatitudes and he's giving all this direction. He's coming to the end of the sermon and he says, why you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation upon rock. And when a flood arose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But he who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation, against which the stream broke and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. In mm. other words, our takeaway when talking to Sister Tina today, is to have that firm foundation. It's rooted in prayer, listening to the Word of God, knowing the Word of God, not just saying, I have blind faith. It's wonderful to have faith. But we wouldn't get to know a family member, a spouse, a friend, someone you're dating, and say, just tell me your name. I don't need to know anything else about you. We dive mm. deep into that relationship fostering. This is what prayer and the life of the sacraments does. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray here on Relevant Radio. It's Ask a Nun Hour today on Trending. Sister Tina Alfieri is with me. She is a hermited nun and addiction specialist, and she's great. She's a therapist as well. So if you have a question, she's happy to take that question. She works with Bloom for Catholic Women, helping women work through the grief of betrayal trauma. We'll post a link to them online. That's a bloom for Catholic women. We'll grab that and post it online as well if you're needing that resource. We'll be right back with Sister Tina taking your questions. The number is 888-914-9149. You can also ask now on social media. Just follow me at Timmery. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. What's trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Ask a Nun today on Trending. She is Sister Tina Alfieri, a hermit and nun, a therapist by professional trade, and she is fantastic in working with addiction among many other things, such as betrayal trauma. So if you have a question for us, ask a nun. The number is 888-914-9149. First question to come in here from Jacksonville. How do you pray for teens to stay away from drugs, promiscuity, and alcohol? These are my teenagers. They are 18 and 16 years old. A wonderful question. So that's a very difficult age, of course. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, uh, the teens, uh, adolescents are trying to uh, break free from the confines of the family. Uh, they're trying to become uh, more independent. 
and uh, sometimes they are uh, ditching or shunning uh, the uh, morals of the family at that time. And uh, this is a developmental stage uh, that some adolescents go through. Uh, and so what we have to do is uh, just kind of respect that, that we know that this may happen. And I believe that uh, prayer, having a deep, again, a deep life of prayer for yourself, setting an example of prayer in the home. And um, if your children are not wanting to pray, maybe they have uh, stopped attending mass even, maybe they're not praying at home, you go ahead and you pray. Now, you may not be able to coerce them or get them to join you in prayer, but that doesn't mean you stop your prayer. And I really encourage uh, devotion to St. Monica, who was the mother of St. Augustine, who prayed for him for, goodness, what was it, 20 plus years yeah. for his conversion. Um, I also think that uh, for parents who may have a child uh, of any age, whether that child is an adult or an adolescent, there are 12-step uh, family groups out there, such as Al-Anon and Naranon, which help, they're free, they cost nothing, and it's free support for families and friends of loved ones who are abusing alcohol and drugs. And they help you gain some serenity uh, with your life, whether or not the addict or the alcoholic ever gets sober or not. I know that sounds like a lot, but trust me, your serenity does not depend on someone else's sobriety. That sounds like a really mm -hmm. um, deep dive right now. If you're struggling with family members who are abusing uh, substances or an addiction of any kind, whether it's gambling or uh, pornography or shopping or anything, I'm just here to tell you that you can have serenity mm -hmm. regardless of that loved one getting sober or not. And there is free help out there. I love this question, too, how to pray for your teens to stay away from drugs, promiscuity, and alcohol. And I know uh, that she's asking for resources as well. Mm -hmm. And I... A huge advocate for trifecta here. Fasting, I think, is important. Fasting, offering for your children. Um, adoration. I just heard a great story from Father Rocky, actually, today. He told a story about a parent who adopt, had adopted four children, and at one point, one of the kids was really struggling, being, living a promiscuous lifestyle, was, you know, kind of interacting with people that she shouldn't have, and he asked... Um, basically, an advice was given to them for what to do, and the advice was, that was received was if, take your kids once a week, go to adoration, have your kids sit in the front row before the Blessed Sacrament adoring our Lord. Everything will be fine. Years later, everything's great. It changed the course of the daughter's life. So there's something about the purity of pondering and praying and be, being before Jesus Christ Again, not too long, just 15 minutes, that simplicity that God really does transform and draw the heart. I think that in the culture of constant media and constantly going with productivity, mm -hmm. it's a really great time to slow down in that way. And I know some resources in addition from to Al-Anon that you mentioned, which we'll post the link on social media. Um, we also, I really recommend Jason Everett and Chrislina Everett. You can find them at chastity.com. Mm -hmm. They have great book resources on faith and chastity for your teens. I've read a number of their books. They're great. They're helpful when I was in high school and college. So 
I highly recommend that. Go ahead, sister. Yeah, and I think also, uh, if I may add another resource, would be uh, Father Chad Ripperger's uh, Deliverance Prayers for the Laity, that parents can pray for their children, because parents are the authority on earth over their children. Your children do not have to be present for you to pray for them, but mm -hmm. as the parents are the authority, then uh, their, their prayer is very powerful uh, deliverance yes. prayers for that. Yes, I love that book. My husband and mm -hmm. I pray. I pray almost daily. He prays it daily mm -hmm. for our family. Very, very good book. Father mm -hmm. Chatterpicker's Deliverance Prayers for the Laity. Okay, mm -hmm. so many questions coming in. And I do want to sneak a question of mine in because we're going to be talking about temperance later on today. So I wanted to throw it in your direction. If you could briefly share one concrete way that you would recommend for someone to grow in the virtue of temperance, something practical that we can work on. Ah, uh, yes. So um, what I suggest is just doing small things, uh, the way of St. Therese, small things, yes. So uh, it can just be very small, again, uh, instead of taking two spoons of sugar in your coffee or your tea, just take one. So start slowly, but knowingly, intentionally, and willingly, offering it up as a sacrifice uh, that could be getting up five minutes early in order to pray, or it could be staying up five minutes later when you're really tired before you go to bed to do some prayer time, to get have some prayer time with God. But uh, you can do small things. And this is, again, I encourage small things consistently instead of you know trying to start out with a three-day fast on bread and water. It's like, well, that's a bit... <laughs> Uh, that's a bit uh, ambitious, I think, for someone who maybe has never fasted before. So let's start with maybe just giving up our favorite meal one time a week during the day. Mm -hmm. So we can start with small things. If uh, in temperance, if we are spending lots of money on ourselves or luxuries, things that we don't need, withhold that money and put it in the poor box at church or put extra money into the donation, uh, the um, uh, tithing basket at church when it's passed. So you can start with small things and it will add up to larger things. Excellent. I think that's a great concrete way to start working on this virtue because it's the virtue that truly does moderate all mm -hmm. of our desire and behavior. And we'll be talking about temperance a little bit later on today during our Theology of the Body series. Sister Tina, a question on Instagram came in. How to fight depression when we don't have anyone to share anything with or to be with? Mm. Oh, wow. So that can be very, very difficult. Uh, I do encourage you, uh, the, the caller, to find someone, whether it's in person or online over the internet through depression support groups, other Catholic chat rooms with people who have depression, but there are support groups out there that are free that you do not have to be able to leave your house or drive a car. You know, there are so many people listening who may be homebound due to some physical condition or conditions of poverty, lack of transportation, gas is expensive. They would love to be able to go to the outside support groups, but gas is, you know, $5 a gallon, can't do that. So the internet, uh, is a great way to find support that is usually free and is uh, 
a good substitute for that in-person support. But one thing I want to also suggest uh, to people is to understand you are never, ever alone. Never alone. Jesus Christ is with you. The Holy Spirit is with you. Your best friend, the creator of you, the creator of the universe is always with you. You're never alone. Amen. Amen. It's an important reminder. And especially, again, as a person of faith, knowing this and something that I love to ponder when I go to Mass is remembering every single time I go to Mass that all of the angels and saints are present at that Eucharistic Amen. celebration mm-hmm. that we're receiving Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And when you maybe go to Mass and even feel alone or isolated, like you don't know anyone, all of the heavenly angels and saints are there. They know you. They love mm-hmm. you. They're intervening for you as you ask them. And so turning to them for their intercession is so important. So exactly. if you feel that season of loneliness I think many people have been there. I've experienced it too. And mm-hmm. don't let yourself be isolated, but take it in the sacraments. Go to Mass. I think daily Mass is one of the best ways to combat loneliness. And as you're able, I appreciate that you mentioned you know, the cost today of gas mm-hmm. is so expensive. But mm-hmm. I also know where we are generous with God, God really does just pile upon the generosity upon us mm-hmm. even more than we can even realize. So maybe even sometimes taking that risk. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. That's Sister Tina Alfieri for Ask and None here on Trending. Another question having to do with addiction, almost a follow-up to the one earlier. Um, a Christian asked on Instagram, how is a parent of an adult child who has an addiction, do you keep from becoming depressed yourself? Ah, uh, wonderful question. And that's very difficult because we know that uh, in addiction, People are killing themselves. It's a slow form of suicide. For some, depending on what substances or behaviors they are engaging in, it's a quicker form of suicide than slow, unfortunately. And so it becomes a very depressing situation. But we have to understand that no one is beyond hope. No one is beyond help. Um, My mother was a nurse, God rest her soul. And then the nursing profession The saying is, where there's breath, there's hope. So as long as a person is breathing, we have hope. And Jesus is our hope. And so we place our hope in Jesus Christ. We pray. But we also know that sometimes people have um, made decisions that it's very difficult for them to back out of or to find a way out of. Um, I strongly encourage, and this is what I tell or suggest to all families who are dealing with anyone with an addictive disorder, please support anything, any behaviors that are fostering recovery, but don't support any behaviors that are encouraging addiction. So if you can take your loved one and if they're willing to go to a 12-step meeting, offer to take them. Uh, if they need help and maybe paying to go see a therapist, if you can help them do that, maybe you might want to go and set up arrangements to have that happen. That's helping. Those are helping behaviors. Behaviors that are not helpful do not give someone who's an active addiction money. That's not a good idea. That's going to not help at all. Um, you know, uh, so do things that are helpful, not harmful. And pray, pray, pray. We know that God sees everything. God sees all. 
God knows all. He knows your situation. He knows the situation of your child. It is in his hands. We have to pray. And as the 12-steppers say, let go, let God. There are some things that at the end of the day, we are powerless over, and we have to let it go and turn it over to God. And that's what takes faith. Thank you, sister. It's so important that we have that reminder and prayers for you and your child as you work through this addiction of your child. We'll be praying mm -hmm. for you here at Relevant Radio. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to share, if you want to get in contact with Sister Tina, if you're struggling with betrayal trauma, she works with women at bloomforcatholicwomen.com. That's Bloom for Catholic Women who have experienced betrayal, especially things such as extramarital affairs, cheating, pornography use by a spouse. So please be sure to check out this excellent resource, bloomforcatholicwomen.com. Sister Tina, thank you for everything you are doing. We really appreciate you joining us here on Trending, asking these tough questions or answering these tough questions that people have. You're listening to Trending with Timory. We have a mystery on this week's Eucharistic encounter. While St. Jose Maria Escrival was hearing confession one morning, he heard clanging coming from the main church. The same happened the next day and the next day. What was going on? Find out about the mysterious metal sound at relevantradio.com slash encounter. Deepen your love for Christ in the Eucharist. Sign up for this free video series at relevantradio.com slash encounter. That's relevantradio.com slash encounter. Let's dive into Theology of the Body. We talked a little bit a moment ago with Sister Tina Alfieri about specifically temperance. I was wondering, how do you grow in temperance? Because this is one of the four cardinal virtues. And this is in part what part of the Theology of the Body series is all about today as we are walking our way through this part of Theology of the Body where it focuses very, very much so on this idea of freedom and temperance is in there as necessary for freedom. Pope St. John Paul II in Catechetical Talks 58 and 59 is really summarizing this whole conversation surrounding the Sermon on the Mount. And Pope St. John Paul II is talking all about interior freedom and how it's made possible through faith, grace, and obedience. Obedience to the, to the design that God has intended from the dawn of creation for you and I, for human beings. No, he has a plan for all of us. And so all of this leads us to this question of, well, what are we going to do about freedom? What is freedom? Freedom is to do what is good, to follow and chase after what is right. It's interesting because when we ponder upon the life of Pope St. John Paul II, he spoke immensely about freedom. And I think there's a reason. He lived in the bloodiest century recorded in human history. He saw the loss of his family, friends, lived in an underground seminary, seminary, practiced his faith in an underground church, faced immense persecution, both from Nazi Germany and then from communism, being the way of the land throughout Poland and Europe. If you actually read some of his biographies, it says that he was always under scrutiny and being spied upon by communists, saying that he had no privacy, no freedom if you dive into his story. And so freedom was something that he sought after in particular interiorly. And at the end of the day, our interior freedom is the only thing we can control. In the face of the chaos, the disordered, the disorder, the 
unlawful laws and ways about us. And it's interesting because when people who received spiritual direction from him or were friends of his talk about how he would give direction or when they'd go to him for problems, he'd always look at them and have this sort of answer of, okay, so what are you going to do about this? In other words, you're free to make the choice. We can talk about this. I'm not going to tell you what to do. He'd always ask, so what are you going to do about this? Because he saw freedom was fundamental to being a human being. We had to freely choose what is good. I've talked before here on Trending about Shurdovisko, and that's what was called this community that Pope St. John Paul II cultivated before he became Pope, where he would go out into the wilderness at a time when he couldn't be seen in public as a priest with other people, when they actually had to call him Vujek, calling him uncle in Polish, and they would go out into the wilderness to celebrate Mass privately and have open conversations about faith and their challenges and their relationships. They would go camping. This is why you see a lot of photos of Pope St. John Paul II out in the wilderness with people celebrating Mass, and he's not collared, or maybe he's shaving. It's one of my favorite photos of him shaving. Um, there are pictures of him celebrating Mass on overturned canoes. And what's interesting is a lot of the people who went out with him into the wilderness didn't even know each other's names. They called him Vujak, called him uncle, so that no one would be suspect the fact that these people, these young people, were hanging out with a priest. And they call this community Shrodovisko. It was their community where they were able to seek out and live out interior freedom and were encouraged to do so even when they went back home to the disorder and chaos and regime dictating their time, their space, their livelihood. And so I think all of this is relevant to what Pope St. John Paul II teaches in The Theology of the Body when he focuses chapter after chapter, almost ad nauseum over these last few weeks on the Sermon on the Mount, where he focuses on the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 29, where he says, you've heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But Jesus goes on to say, I'm telling you not just to not commit adultery, but whoever looks at a woman to desire her, to lust after her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Pope St. John Paul II is challenging us to see the relevance of this to not just men, but to women as well. To see the relevance not just of having to do with chastity, but this purity of desire, this inner man. Pope St. John Paul II says the inner man must open himself to the spirit in order to have an evangelical purity of heart. That goes to say, he goes on to say, in order to find again and realize the value of the body, freed by redemption from the bonds of concupiscence, that we need to come to a self-understanding rooted in the spirit to allow that interior freedom to be manifest through the grace of God. And so this is where he goes on to talk about the purity, that purity in the sense of temperance. So that purity we're seeking after is that cardinal virtue of temperance. That's why I asked Sister Tina earlier, how do you grow in temperance? She said, well, she said, you start in simple ways. You want two scoops of sugar in your tea? Take one or coffee. You wake up a few minutes earlier. You stay up a few minutes later to pray. You do the things that you don't feel like doing. It's all about self-regulation. Bringing rightly ordered desires and sometimes even rejecting those good things we desire. Maybe you desire just a little bit of a rest to sit down on the couch at the end of the day. 
Instead, you could help do something to make someone else's life a little easier. It's, again, doing what we don't always feel like doing. Denying ourselves of some media consumption of a particular food. Again, even good things. It's all about integrity of the body and how this is directly connected to freedom. Pope St. John Paul II is challenging us to live a gift of spells, a gift of self. That image that we see on the cross, that we're made for life-giving, self-giving love. And Jesus Christ modeled this in a way that is bloody, bruised, and beaten. He is the model. We see this in the spousal meaning of the, of the body that we've been discussing as a true anthropology of the human person, that we're made to be a gift, that the reproductive dimension of the body was clear from the dawn of creation as part of the value of human sexuality. And because of this, Pope St. John Paul II is pointing us to be responsible as Jesus Christ has challenged us in the Sermon on the Mount for even those mere looks we give toward other people as our desires, our passions. Pope St. John Paul II in the Theology of the Body, Talk 58, says the satisfaction of the passions is in fact one thing. Quite another is the joy a person finds in possessing himself more fully. What is Pope St. John Paul II saying? Sure, you can feel satisfied when you follow what you desire. However, it's quite another thing. And that other thing is joy when you possess yourself more fully. Because when you have a greater sense of possession, when you're not just following the whims of the culture, the latest technology, binge watching that next episode, but when you have the ability to have a sense of possession and not just following your desire, the desires of others, you're freely able to choose and give. This is the way of living. This is the anthropology that Pope St. John Paul II has been establishing. Otherwise, he says we become objects of manipulation, and he actually warns against how this can lead to technological, essentially to technology exploiting us. He says the body in its masculinity or femininity is given as a task to the human spirit. I love that. The body in its masculinity or femininity is given as a task to the human spirit. So, This is wonderful, but Pope St. John Paul II warns us that as biology, science, psychology, social studies come into play in such a profound way with great advancements, that we can't just allow our lives to be lived on the level of the body, following the social studies, the sciences, because when we leave out, he says, an adequate spiritual meaning of the body, what happens? We become prey to technological exploitation. Look at it. Just because we can, does that mean we should? Look at what contraception has done. It's a form of technology. Screen use, artificial intelligence, abortion. Just because we can medically, biologically, scientifically, in terms of psychology, doesn't mean we should. We have to understand the spiritual component of the body. And this is why Pope St. John Paul II is challenging us now for an authentic, human-centered anthropology. You want to figure out what that is? Look to the cross. It's Jesus Christ, bloody, bruised, and beaten. We have to cultivate this freedom in our lives and in the lives of others. We're continuing our Theology of the Body series here on Trending. Coming up on Friday, we will dive into how the Theology of the Body helps us in understanding the way we look at art, media, and 
other people's bodies as well. We'll be right back here on Trending. I have an incredible pro-life story to share with you, and I hope you'll join with me in praying for this woman who chose not to have an abortion but is facing dire medical consequences. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I want to share with you a story of a woman who I just came across today, and I'm sharing with you for two reasons. One, I hope you'll join me in praying for Trisha Anderson. And two, I want to share just a little bit of her story. Uh, She's known as an Instagram influencer. I actually don't really know what she's known as an influencer for exactly. But what I have come across over the last day has been her chronicled story. Her first child was born with cancer. Her second baby was born without a heartbeat. And her third baby was a very late-term miscarriage. And she's pregnant again. Now, she's pregnant with a baby boy, boy, her oldest child daughter who had cancer lily uh, has survived but praying for this family here here's the latest news in her story and it is heart-wrenching as i have been reading the story this mom has suffered immensely she is actually facing currently uh, some major blood clots in her brain two large blood clots and it's very concerning. They're, they've done over 550 different injections of blood thinners. Her body's not been responding. And she's, I believe, only has a handful of weeks left in the pregnancy. They're going to move forward with a C-section very soon. It sounds like the baby boy is healthy, but this woman has been through immense pain. And people have asked, well, you know, why didn't you just go through with an abortion, essentially. And she made a comment that I thought was very powerful. She basically commented that it wouldn't have mattered if she had killed her baby. She didn't say it in as many words, but even if she had gone through with an abortion, it would not have changed her current medical condition. In other words, she didn't have to kill her baby to continue to fix or not fix her current medical condition. Again, we all have a choice in terms of what type of treatment is received. And at the end of the day, what she's pointing to is how important it is that she didn't have to go through with killing her baby, that either way she would have experienced this medical condition or it would have continued to progress. So prayers for this woman, Trisha Anderson, because I think that She's showing a testimony that's very powerful. Uh, One side of it is she's showing a very strong testament to life. And I don't know if she's pro-life, but what I do know is that she's showing a pro-life choice that is very powerful, even in the face of having very, very unhealthy and challenging pregnancies in the past She still continues to be open to the gift of life, to carry children to term. She celebrates those children who were lost via miscarriage, a child who was lost um, without a heartbeat when the baby was born. She fought for the life of her child with cancer. These are pro-life choices. And again, I don't know her position on abortion, but what I know is that we need to pray for mothers who are facing 
some of the most challenging experiences possible. And while the culture tells them just abort your child, it'll be emotionally and mentally easier for you as you battle these blood clots. Just abort your child. It's easier than facing the potential loss of another child to miscarriage, to cancer, to being born without a heartbeat. The culture would tell her, oh, you're a geriatric mom. You shouldn't have this child. Now, I don't know Trisha Anderson's age. She doesn't look like a geriatric mom. I think that that term geriatric mom is absolutely insane to me. God knows what he's doing. God knows how he created the human body and what it is and is not capable of. And if we are capable of conceiving children at later dates than society thinks is socially acceptable, so be it. Let go of our definition of when someone should and shouldn't have a child. That's the faith-willed perspective. Sarah, Elizabeth, Our Lady all had children at inopportune times when it comes to age in comparison to what the modern-day culture says. But those were miraculous pregnancies. Those were miraculous births. And I hope you'll join me in praying for Trisha Anderson, her daughter Lily, her baby son, who, God willing, will be born any moment or day now, and for healing for her from these severe blood clots that could lead to taking her life. She's fought for the lives of her children. Her and her husband, Josh, have shared their story openly, the challenge of parenting that everyone, I think, experiences in very radical and different ways. But this story is one that is profoundly pro-life. And what's frightening is that legal abortion is pushed in every single state in this country. Legal abortion is allowed for the sake of the life of the mother. But there is no medical condition in which killing a baby saves a mom's life. And this is why Trisha Anderson didn't have an abortion. She even made the comment, had I had an abortion, basically, and I'm paraphrasing her words, I still would have had this blood clotting disorder. I wouldn't have fixed, it wouldn't have changed it in this situation. So please, I'm asking you to join me in praying for Trisha Anderson, to pray for her husband Josh, her daughter Lily, and her fourth baby who's on the way. May God grant them the gift of this child born and held in their arms, and may he heal her of these two blood clots. I appreciate these stories because they're encouraging, they're inspiring. Are they easy? No. But as we were talking with Sister Tina Alfieri earlier today on Trending, and I hope you'll listen to the podcast, we have to be able to have that strong foundation, as Jesus talks about toward the end of the Sermon on the Mount in Luke chapter 6. What does it mean to have that strong foundation? It's living a life rooted in prayer, the sacraments, knowing the guidance of our Lord Jesus Christ. So please pray for Trisha Anderson in these final days of her pregnancy and for healing for her. And if you can, join us tonight on the Family Rosary Across America. Coming up in just a moment, Patrick Madrid will be joining Father Rocky to pray the Family Rosary Across America.